I was, we were literally in shock, and I was pregnant with my third, um, which was very difficult. Um, he was born a month almost to the day after she passed away, um, which t there were a lot of mixed emotions, if you can imagine. Um, I buried a child, and then I birthed the child in, all in 30 days. So um, I'm not sure there's many people who can say that, you know, you can do that. But that's where the grace, God's grace, um, just, you know, poured all over me as a mother. Um, otherwise, I couldn't have, I, I wouldn't be here today. Knowing when to break through the boundaries of average to question the unquestionable is the sign of greatness. It's those moments when you get to the absurd stage that things truly get interesting. Well, the world is in need of a new generation of leaders, leaders who have the courage to break through the boundaries and question everything around them. Well, society is yearning for bold and enthusiastic women and men to provide the necessary leadership that will be required for the next leap forward. The journey to get to the brink can be unpredictable, but knowing you're at the brink, pure genius, my friends. Today, we are on the brink of greatness. Well, friends, like a lot of the unique stories we talk about from week to week, there's, there's always something about a brink of greatness story. Out of a moment of life, out of something that happens that you least expect that's going to happen to you, I mean, what I find is that there's a turning point, and good comes out of bad. Uh, good always surfaces to the top, I find, and, and that's no exception in this case. I would like you today to meet Kathy and Roger Flynn. Kathy and Roger Flynn, and... Um, the unique story that is going to play out here before you today, it, it's a, a special place called Camp Braveheart. I watched some of the videos, I've read the story, but it's a very personal story, as it always is. It's always personal. It starts with the seed or something that happened. I'd like to bring it right back to that point and, and start there, Kathy and Roger, and, and talk about the moment this all happened. I believe it was in the 90s. And uh, take us to the moment. Uh, Kathy, you were, you were pregnant. You had just had uh, your daughter, Ainsley. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And so, and when did you discover there was a problem? Um, it was probably the day after she was born. I had some concern. Um, and she just wasn't acting like a newborn. Um, she was, her color wasn't as pink as I thought it should be as well as um, she was a little lethargic. So when the pediatrician came in, I alerted him about my concerns. And it was then he said, okay, well, I think everything's all right, but I'll go back and, you know, do a mo more thorough check. And then he did. And he came back and said, you know, I heard a heart murmur. Um, but he said, I think it's okay. You know, I think it's just a minor thing, but I'm going to call in a cardiologist, a pediatrician cardiologist, just as a precautionary measure. And when he said that, to me, that was a red flag. A red flag. I felt very, 
Yeah. 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 Kathy, uncomfortable uh, with that. <laughs> when you say I, I'm here, I can feel what you're saying now because listen, why is it? Uh, what is your take your, your, that the doctor says that? I mean, that's it. Sounds to me like a very uh, stereotypical answer that we think everything is okay. He really didn't know, but he was trying to keep everything calm, cool, and collective. I assume. Do you? I want to ask you as a mom. Do Do you hold that against the? I'm, I'm wondering. I don't know because it's so personal. Do you hold that against them in some way? Because you felt something instinctively was off. Uh, was there ever a moment where you? that bothered you that he would say he thinks everything's going to be fine i mean you said that a couple of times already and it wasn't fine no not really it didn't i know that they were you know doing their job and um with my concern he did acknowledge that and it said okay you know what let me just listen to this mom and he did mm-hmm. at that point right right he listened to you roger did you have the same feeling or the same i mean obviously this is a very instinctive feeling that that she didn't look right something was wrong did you get that feeling at all as well or no i really didn't and when he's mentioned the word heart murmur i was like i'm so happy I said, oh no problem i had one when i was born I you see. know and yeah. i turned out fine and it went away and you know not a big deal mm-hmm. so at that point in time i really didn't think that much about it Right, right. I mean, I hear exactly what you're saying. Heart murmur. It doesn't sound like it's going to be too severe. Something we can handle, maybe. Right. Something that. Right. So from that moment forward, now as you take this, as you take it forward, now. So now you've got the specialists involved. And what happens next? Well, they came and got her for an examination, and a lot of time had passed by. More time than I thought was adequate for just checking her out, which you know rattled me even further. And then the pediatrician, uh, pediatric cardiologist came in and um, he said, I, ne- I have no other way to say this, Mr. and Mrs. Flynn, but your daughter has severe congenital heart disease and may not make it through the night. Yeah. Uh, when you heard those words, uh, I can, I, your world must have came crashing down. Oh, oh definitely. Yes. I mean, your first oh. child, you're like, you're just, you're just in shock. Yeah. yeah. It may not make it through the night. I mean, what profound words. But she did make it through the night. Yes. Um, the next time we saw her after the cardiologist left, mm-hmm. she was in the unit. Right. And um, they were about to life flight her to uh, another hospital for an emergency heart catheterization to understand exactly the full diagnosis. Um, and they did, and then he came back out with even more bad news. Um, it was even worse than they had anticipated. Um, and here we are in shock anyway. <laughs> and, you know, new parents are firstborn, and um, we literally were just just going through the motions. Exactly. And, exactly. And, cling, and clinging to each other, you know. Yeah. Does, does something like that pull you closer together? Is that is that what it has the potential to do yeah i mean you, I you know you so. just come together and you say we're gonna you know we're not gonna accept this we're mm-hmm. gonna fight this right uh well that's when your faith kicks in because um, I, I remember them coming out and saying well we've got a couple choices here mm-hmm. you can either take her home and just let her die mm-hmm. uh, we can think about putting her on a heart transplant list right or there's a few new innovative things we might want to try to see if we can buy some time to get her bigger until we can get to the first surgery that we might want to do right right. um 
right. and for us it was it was a no brainer let's uh let's try the new things right now roger i read that i i knew there were several options you had uh, and i so i i totally get that so now you're given these options you decide to try the experimental surgery i guess is that the road you went well actually it was some experimental drugs okay uh to let her get older and stronger to handle that first stir- surgery yeah. uh, so I'm mean, Kathy. Kathy's more adept to this, but yeah. it, it it bought us 18 months before we had to have that first surgery. I was just going to ask you. So Kathy, she's 18 months. She has the first surgery. Now, was the plan always all along that at some point she would probably need a heart transplant? This would just buy time for that. Was that the ultimate plan? Yes. Yeah. I yes. So. And not only that, but possibly even a lung heart transplant for her because. Um, and, and sometimes that happens, but she had severe um, defects. And because the heart and the lungs work so closely together, lots of times they are affected at the same time. Because when we got to the to the hospital around the first surgery, I remember asking um, the surgeon, I said, well, is there any other parents that we can reach out to and talk to that uh, hmm. huh. have a similar situation that we're in and his answer his answer was no and i'm thinking okay there's no one else here in town and then you, you know that you treat that ha- that has this condition and i asked him that and he says no what you don't understand he says there's no one else that we can pinpoint with her exact heart condition in the world wow kind of a one of a kind and we were like just that just really set us back for a couple loops then Right. They've never seen anything like it. Right, right. And and this is, I mean, this is a birth defect. Did they ever give a reason? I mean, this is just a, this is just a bad draw. I mean, or is there, was there any particular reason this happened? No, no. And to this day, there's not. Okay. I mean, sometimes these things happen with no reason. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. So bring us forward now, Kathy, from that first uh, 18 months or so, you said, I believe it was? Yes. Um, she had her first surgery at 18 months, okay. um, and then 22 months, and Another. then her third and final, yes, and her third and final was at six years old. Okay, so hold on now. So now, how was she in those first six years before that third surgery? How was she was she active was she did, was she like any other little girl or what well, that, oh, yeah, that was, she was active <laughs> that was the thing we decided that we were going to treat her mm-hmm. like a normal child exactly so she took ballet she was a cheerleader wow um, wow as kathy will say but always the one with the everybody wanted to know if she'd just eaten a great popsicle because she had blue lips is that right yeah, but but we let her. We we didn't hold her back from anything uh, that that we didn't have to. We let her be a kid. That was something that Roger really orchestrated with me. He mm-hmm. said, "You know, Kathy, we need to make a commitment right now. Yeah. Um, as long as the Lord gives Ansley to us, mm-hmm. to just you know treat her as normal as possible, regardless of you know how severe her heart defect was." Yeah. And I was so thankful for that. Yeah, totally, totally. And, you know, I commend you for that because uh, really in full disclosure, Roger, Kathy, I would have done the same thing. 
uh, I would have done exactly the same thing and, and treat her just exactly the way. So, but now she's six years old. She has the third procedure. What's the outlook? What happens next? Um, well, she was going to be, she would be tell, telling us that. Um, she, you know, before she had the third surgery, she had a lot of mixing because of the other two chambers not forming okay. um, and her only having the two chambers in one valve. She had a lot of the mixing of red blood and blue blood. So that would bring her oxygen level down. So then the third surgery corrected that as much as possible okay. um, where they did a lot of rerouting. So when she was six, I mean, that really, she started, she pinked up a lot. She was, you know, very, she was getting oxygenated um, and you could tell. And she was growing and again, taking ballet, being a cheerleader, going to school, getting on the big yellow school bus, right. you know, all the things that I think other parents take for granted, we right. celebrated. Right, right. Amen. Isn't that, that's a, what you just say there. Everybody hear what Kathy just said right there. Everything that most parents take for granted, they celebrated. I mean, think yeah. about that. Think about that. The simple, simple things of life you celebrate. And that's an important moment because a lot of people don't do that. We take too much for granted in this life, clearly. And that's you know, a perfect case of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when we talk about my wife, when she, you know, she had pancreatic cancer and she's a survivor. It was amazing when all of a sudden you thought life was going to come to an end quickly. You immediately appreciated everything that was going on and were so grateful that she, you had been with, her for the, with my wife for that long. And it, it's amazing how magnified things became and how grateful you were for every single moment that you were together. I yep. mean... Yep. Kevin, that is such a valid point, man. That is such a valid point because we take, so, and I recognize that. And, and, and Kevin, you know, every program we, we remind people about that life is a gift, but we do need to treat it that way, clearly. But the story is, is even more interesting because I had just discovered before the call, and full disclosure to everybody, that uh, their daughter, Ensley, did, she died. She did not make it. And, and what I want to know at this point, and what I think everybody, at what age she had that procedure at six, that third procedure, it, wh- how old was she when she died, Kathy? Um, she, she was 10. 10, I thought so. Yeah, I thought it was a few years yes, later. We had her, yeah, we had her for another full uh, four years, mm-hmm. um, and it was sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, she... Uh, she threw a pulmonary embola. Oh, boy. So, so yeah. when you say it was sudden, so what I want to ask you is, in that period of time, I'm trying to understand now, with that third procedure, where you were, what, what was the end game now? Was there ever talk that we could get her a, why could we not get her a heart transplant is what I want to understand. Well, lots of times uh, the general public, they don't understand that really the heart tra- having a heart transplant is the last alternative. Um, they want to use as long as they can um, and as much as they can your own heart um, just because of all the other things that go along with the heart transplant, the, you know, the, the anti-rejection drugs and all the therapy that goes along with it. So even though we knew in the back of our minds that that was uh, a clear possibility and most likely we were just going to let her tell us, you know, what she was, what she needed. I mean, we saw the cardiologist every six months and, and of course, if anything came up, we saw, 
on me even more frequently than that. So she was just, she was doing fine. So was the goal so that she no, was going to be okay, Kathy, at that point? I mean, when you say sudden at 10, was there any expectation that this could happen? Or, or was you pretty comfortable that she would make it through this at that point? Um, you mean the, yeah, I mean, th- there was no concern that something like this was going to happen, to answer your question, at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really thought, you know, we were going to have some time, <laughs> obviously. So even though in the back of your mind, when you have a heart child, you know, you are greatly reminded, more so than the person who has an, a, a perfectly healthy child. You're reminded because I call it like it's a thundercloud out there, mm-hmm. and you just never know when the storm is going to hit, or the tornado, or the so, hurricane, in yeah. our case. Right. Um, but you know that it's there, and you know you can see it, and it's in view, but you... You, you keep it at, at bay, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, it's living, you with a, with a, yeah, it's, it's living with a cloud over your head, clearly. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, was there, um, what I'm wondering is, could I, and I don't know the answer to this, but could she have had a heart transplant if you knew this was, I mean, could she have gotten on that list, or was that even a remote possibility? I don't know. They, had, they hadn't got to that stage yet. Okay, um, okay. You know, it was just after her 10th birthday, and she, the best they could diagnose was she was having some asthma spasms, and we never had that before. I see. So it messed up her breathing, and, you know, we didn't – they weren't thinking that much about it mm-hmm. tied to the heart just yet. So, I see, I see. Uh, it was a Saturday morning. She was having trouble breathing, so we took her in right. um, to the emergency room at the, at the children's hospital, and they gave her some breathing treatments, checked her out, and sent her home. No, no, so hold yeah. on. Now, now the, the the breathing problems she was having at that point, Roger, had she had that level of breathing problems prior? No, it had no. only been the last week or so. Okay, so it really had gotten more severe at that point. Yes, and yeah. Kathy, Kathy was on bed rest because she was pregnant with our third, and, you know, we, we'd, we'd taken her in, and then they sent us home, and, you know, we thought everything was fine. So on Sunday, you know, I'm taking her and her, her little brother to – target to buy valentine's day cards for their school class i see and she was there and doing fine and then on monday morning we woke up and she was having another spasm Mm -hmm. and we rushed her back to the hospital Mm -hmm. so if you can imagine going about 25 miles in metro atlanta at 8 a.m in the morning Hmm. um and i got there (laughs) in record time (laughs) so uh when we took her in again and then and then uh, that was on on Sunday or Monday, and and they put her in. You know, they they put her into the unit. They put her into a coma. You know, and it was the first time. I mean, we'd probably been hospitalized twenty some odd times, Kathy. And they had always told us, you know, they would always not be positive. But this time, the the, the doctors that knew us at the hospital were like, oh, we just need to give her some rest and let her lungs dry out. Wow. You know, she's got some, some asthma, pneumonia. So they weren't even that concerned. And uh, it was the next morning at about 4 o'clock in the morning, Kathy's, Kathy was trying to get some rest since she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And her sister came out and said, hey, Ansley's not doing well. You want to check on her? So I went back thinking, okay, you know, I've been through this drill hundreds of times. Right. I, I wasn't concerned. And when I walked into her room, as soon as I walked in, the nurse was coding her. Boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I have to tell you that I am looking at a picture of this young lady right now. And Kathy, you sent out a, looks like a tweet of some sort, social media of some kind, I guess maybe it's a tweet, and uh, on January 8th, 2017. And it says with the caption, Happy birthday in heaven, Ainsley. We love and miss you, sweet angel. And I got to tell you, what a beautiful young, young girl. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely magical. And you see the pictures of her in there, and she looks like a spitfire. You understand, you know? <laughs> yeah, definite spitfire. Well, and you know, and, and I know she was ours, but she was the type of kid that would walk into a room and light the whole room you with can her see smile. It. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. look I mean, at that smile was... in that picture, Kathy. It is truly, truly an amazing. I mean, the photograph's incredible. Uh, I, and I'll put this all when this goes to podcast folks. I'll put this in the post so you can see what I'm speaking about. If you're hearing this on talk radio now, but you got to see the picture of this young girl. It truly is uh, to me uh, just a magical picture. What and the smile is uh, electrifying, and you can see that about her. It's truly, truly amazing. I'm looking at some of your other photographs in here. They're amazing. Uh, so at that point now. Uh, I, I think where the story turns, friends, as we as we move into the second chapter of this uh, conversation here, uh, you know, again, uh, it's interesting to me to get all the nuances of what happened to, to Angelie. It's why I, I wanted to share the story with all of us today. And I wanted to find out myself, as I just found out uh, that she, you know, I wasn't sure, but she had passed and and I, you see, Roger, why I ask all the questions about the heart transplant. You know, I'm, you probably think the way I think a lot, like you want to do everything you can, right? <laughs> and Correct. so, yeah, I mean, I know, and like you're the guy riding, driving that fast to the hospital. I'm the same, we, we, we're of the same make. I would be doing the same thing, Roger. <laughs> and, uh, and I would be doing everything I possibly could to have a different result. But obviously, God had a different plan. And that's where the faith had to be put into play. But in the meantime, you had created this Camp Braveheart. And I think if I, and we'll talk about more of that in just a moment here, but if I, if I understand the story right, you had already started that while, while Ainsley was here because she had attended that. Uh, I, let's, I'll tell you what, answer that on the other side of the pause here, but I believe that's what I understand. And then this, my friends, is connected and supported by the Children's Health Care of Atlanta. Uh, very interesting. Let's pick up the story uh, with Kathy and Roger Flynn. More Brink of Greatness, friends, in just a moment. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Friends here on the brink of greatness. It is Malcolm Out Loud here with Kevin Williams, and we're speaking with Kathy and Roger Flynn, and uh, and uh, we're speaking of this little angel. I had just shared the uh, story about the picture with you all, which we'll put in the post of of Ainsley and what she had been through in her life. Uh, at ten years old, she died of a congenital heart defects, 
uh, three major surgeries, um, a, a very tough 10 years. Uh, but this girl was, uh, they had made the decision to have her like any other young girl, even though there were challenges there. Clearly, there were challenges there. I mean, they always had to be on the lookout of whatever was going to happen next. Uh, but at that point, I believe they had faith, faith that would carry them through. Did you ever lose faith and say, why? Did you question it all, or did, or did you always feel like there was a reason for this to happen the way it happened? Well, I think I have to go way back to the time that she was born. Um, that began my process of transformation, if you will, even more so. I mean, Roger and I were very faithful, um, you know, workers in church. We had the youth group that we were their teachers, and um, so I had a great foundation going into um, this horrific area or event in our lives when we had her, and, you know, your life changes when you begin the journey that we were beginning with Ansley, but because we had the faith that we had and we knew who we were in Christ, we knew that he was faithful, we knew he loved us, and that he loved us even more than we loved Ansley. So with that in mind, you know, we knew that we could move forward and we could face anything that came our way um, with the hope that we would have her for a lifetime, whether that be the 10 years that we had her or, you know, 20 years or five years or two years. We weren't weren't sure. But that's where our faith did uh, play a big role for us. And quite honestly, I know for a fact I wouldn't have made it without my faith. I know that, especially now on this end and this far out from losing her. And, yeah, I mean, when you're going, when this first happened, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were literally in shock, and I was pregnant with my third, um, which was very difficult. Um, He was born a month almost to the day after she passed away, um, which there were a lot of mixed emotions, if you can imagine. Um, I buried a child and then I birthed the child and all in 30 days. So, um, I'm not sure there's many people who can say that, Mm. you know, you can do that, but that's where the grace, God's grace, Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, poured all over Mm -hmm. me as a mother. Um, otherwise I couldn't, I I wouldn't be here today to talk to you. Kathy, (laughs) you, you have the two children, right? Two, two children now? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two so boys. you had the two boys. Okay. And then, and then there was Angela, little Angela. But I, I'm not sure I could have been as graceful as as the way Kat. How about you? What, how did How did you feel about your faith and where you were at? Well, it, it was it was. Yeah, you know, I'm sure there were there were times that I, I asked questions, but you know, I knew I would see her again. That was the best part of it. Cool. Um, cool. My whole focus at that time was Kathy was on bed rest, ready to, to have another baby. And I had to, you know, I had to change my roles real sudden, you know, into got to make sure she's okay. I got to make sure, um, Jack's going to be okay. He can't come too soon and that, those type of things. So I, my focus changed immediately. You know, it, I did question sometimes I, I'm like, you know, why me? Why, why us? That's right. Um, I had, a, I had a sister that died when I was two years old. Wow. So I'm thinking, you know, it's repeating itself mm. and you know those were confusing as well but um yeah to be honest with you neither one of us really had that really time when we 
turned away from God and said, yeah. you know, I'm done. Why did you do this? Well, that, that's what Who I wanted do? to know. That's what I, I really wanted to know that, Roger, i got to tell you, because I wonder, some people do turn away, and they lose their faith completely when life is so destructive. But again, we just never know. There are no guarantees. But you know something else, Roger, Kathy, I want to tell you something? As I've been doing this now with the Brink shows and talking to other people who've lost loved ones in this way, the one thing I recognize I, I, I want to share with everybody is that we don't know how long our lives are. We, there are no guarantees for any of us. Like you said, Kathy, a bit ago, whether it's two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, or 50 years, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be, and we're going to embrace every moment. My point is the value of a lifetime. What is a lifetime? The value of a lifetime. Think about that, people. I mean, a lifetime could be 90 years, could be 100 years. You could be blessed that way, or maybe it is five years. But I got to tell you what, there are people I've met, there are people I know, there are people we talk to here that (laughs) they sometimes have accomplished more and impacted more people in their 10 years or 20 years or whatever it is that is truly mind-boggling to me, like how they impact all those people and what, does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, mean, I, I think both of us always said, even through all this, that there's there's a reason. We may not know it and see it yet, but That's there's it. a reason why we've had to go through this. That's it, Roger. But 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 Malcolm, if you think about what they're saying too, is their belief in God recognizes that there's a life after this one, and that they have the opportunity to be with Ainsley again, mm-hmm. and that brings them hope and That's right. and brings them peace. That's right. And it helps them to go on. Yeah, and I don't think everybody has that, Kevin. I don't think not everybody has that sense. That that's a what you're laying out right there is a strong, strong faith. That's a real big. That's a that's a leap of faith right there. But well, it, I mean, I think it helps you get through the tough times, of course, because you realize it's not the end. It's just you know a journey along the path. And I think what I've read is you know that uh, Kathy had said was eternity. Right. Which is really life after death. So that's right. That's right. That's right. It's a beautiful thing, and it's beautiful then to see the purpose. And taking that further, Kevin, it's pur- it's very purposeful then to discover that her life means something. It meant something. It means something. It's uh, she was supposed to be here. Uh, she was supposed to impact the lives, and she was. It was graceful. And as you said, Kathy, and you put in that social media message that she was an angel in more ways than one. And the impact that she had on your lives in the short time that you had her. Talk to me about Camp Braveheart. When did that start? What was the impetus of that? How did it happen? And how was the interaction of Camp Braveheart with, with your daughter? Well, um, to begin with, we had a foundation that uh, really supported families. Um, as I had uh, written before about, we were so impacted by the multiple hospital stays that we had. And and looking around, we just saw such a great need for parents uh, or support for parents um, in many different ways. And we were able to uh, form a foundation and be able to support them in those areas. And then about a year or so into the foundation, we were beginning to look at long-term. And Ansley was five at that point and doing great. And um, we felt like, wow, wouldn't it be great to do a camp? for the kids. Mm -hmm. And in our research, we found out that there was not any camps like this that could, uh, you know, take care of her special needs or the special needs of heart kids. And so at that point, we got our little core group together, which was Ansley's nurse. She was going to handle the medical 
and we had the child life coordinator um, who could help us handle the activities and the agenda. Roger was the fundraiser, so he was the one who was going to go out and make the money to support the camp, and then I was going to be the director to make it all happen and, and just manage everything. So, and then, of course, Ansley was our inspiration. We would not be there without her. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was the beginning, and we had our first one in 1995. The the first camp in 1995, Heart Camp. And all right. It was was called Heart Camp in the very beginning, the first one, and it was a weekend camp. A weekend camp. So it wasn't Braveheart initially, but then it turned into that. Correct. The kids vote. They voted it. I love the. Camp. I love the name. I just now and obviously with the movie and all, it's got such a, uh, a feeling to it. I assume there's obviously it's it's okay to use that for the camp name. Clearly, huh? Yes. Yeah, I mean, legal. I'm saying, yes. yeah. Now, now. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I would hope so. But um, so you you did this camp now in in the, that was ninety five. You said Kathy ninety five was it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and she was how old? Five, you say? Five. Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because we were the founders, she was able to attend. <laughs> right. um, typically, we start the age at seven okay. um, just oh. because they need to be at a certain age because of them being home or mm-hmm. homesick kind of thing. Okay. So we thought, let's start at seven. They're still homesick from time to time, by the way, um, still today. But that was a starting point. Uh, so we did seven to age 17, and seven the first year we took 25, 25 kids. Now, where, where geographically were they from? All over the nation or just in the Georgia area, or where did they come from? How far away? Just the first year, Atlanta. they were pretty much out of the hospital, the children's hospital in Atlanta. Okay. Um, so most of them were the area in the Georgia area, then, I take it? Correct. Okay. Yes. All right. And did it grow beyond that, where you were, where people were coming in from different states and stuff? Wow. We had we had some kids that Ansley's third surgery was done at the University of Michigan, wow, uh, in Ann Arbor at Mott's Children's Hospital, and we had met some families there. So we had a few of them for a few years that came down and came to camp. Okay, and and the goal of Camp Braveheart was to provide a unique experience for these children because. I would assume uh, uh, just a regular camp uh, camp for kids like this could be problematic. These kids had special requirements and needs, right? Right. right. Correct. Right. Yes, we we have a we had to have a cardiologist there twenty four seven, and a medical staff. Um, lots of times they're on a lot of medication, so we have a med lodge with the facility that we use. Um, it's just kind of set up in the med lodge like a hospital would be. Mm-hmm. I mean, not as you know, white and stark as hospital, but nevertheless, it's it's similar. And sometimes they're on oxygen. Sometimes they take breathing treatments. Uh, sometimes they're on in wheelchairs. So we accommodate whatever the case is, so that they can have that ca- camp experience. When did Children's Healthcare of Atlanta get involved? Well, they were involved um, from day really day one oh, wow. with people. In the hospital not ex themselves but their their staff because what we did when we were in the hospital we kept asking we kept seeing all the brochures for the cancer kids camp and the hemophilia camp and uh, all the different camps that the, the different diseases had set up and we asked the nurses well when's heart when's the camp for the heart kids and they said well there's not one we said why not like well we don't know and i said well why don't we start one and that's how it got started um, we ran the camp until Ansley passed away. 
the last camp we did was 1999 that Kathy and I actually ran and sponsored. Mm-hmm. And then when she passed away, we approached the hospital to take over the camp and continue it, and they did. So we signed a contract with them for them to continue running the camp. Because um, the first couple of years, it was kind of raw for us to go back to camp. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we made it. We made it through that stage, and then we, you know, within a couple of years, we're back and we're on the board and we're involved with it. And it, it's Kathy will tell you how how it's grown because we could only afford to do weekend camps because we had to raise all the money. Right. We didn't have the the found the big foundations behind us like the right. hospital did. Right. And it, I think uh, it, after that first year after Ansley passed, it was one more time was a weekend camp. And then they switched it to a full week camp at the beginning of summer. And and um, and, and you, go ahead. And we knew we knew that they. It's almost like birthing a child and then giving the child up for adoption. That's kind of can't what Camp Braveheart is to us. Mm. And we we knew that they could take it places and beyond that we ever thought about or what we dreamed about. And 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 we we knew that they could support it in a way that we had supported it. So mm-hmm. we partnered with them and they have done a beautiful job. Um, and they, they also partner with Camp Twin Lakes, the facility that we use, um, which is in Rutledge, Georgia. And again, it was, it's, it was, it was an act of, of love for us to open up our, our, our arms for camp to grow and be the camp that it is today. It really was. So th- does anybody have to pay for the camp? No, no, and that was that was a, a, a conviction I had. Um, I had a dream one night, and the Lord came to me and said, "Do not charge one child for uh, to go to camp to attend camp." And the, Roger's like, "Yeah, right. How exactly. are we going to do this?" Uh, that's 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 exactly <laughs> what I would say. I'm like, "Are you nuts?" <laughs> and uh, that's one reason why we did weekend camps in the beginning because I would say, "Okay, it's." <laughs> going to cost 10 or 15 or $20,000 for this weekend. So I would go around to business associates and raise the money so we could pay for it each year. What a unique accomplishment, though, in creating this special place, Camp Braveheart. Now you're both on, you're on the board now, you say, right? Yeah, yes. we're both very, very active. And I, I stay the entire week um, with all the kiddos. Mm-hmm. And then Roger shows up uh, in time for the grand finale, the dance the night before they head out the next day um we have a dance and bring in the dj and we have it all decorated and the the kids uh the girls earlier that day have their hair done their nails done their makeup done we have people come in and do all that for them mm-hmm. and what's really cool is how they they kind of some of the campers boy and girl team up together and ask each other to the dance as if it's their prom, (laughs) which is really cool um, because sometimes these children don't, you know, live long enough to go to their prom. So um, I've I've had boys ask me if I could grab a golf cart and drive down and and pick up uh, their date at their cabin and take them to the dance (laughs) like it's their limousine. (laughs) Awesome. I like that. I like that. Uh, Kathy, um, uh, when you're there, that you attend the week and you are involved like this on that level, uh, I have to ask you: um, Do you feel the presence of Ainsley when you do that? Oh yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. And when I walk around and, and I have my my quiet time, like I do every year, mm-hmm. um, you know, I celebrate her, and um, mm-hmm. 
we just have our time together and you know when the wind blows i feel her all around me and yeah yes, I, I, I i i had i wanted to so ask you that because what we're speaking about here kathy is energy it's we all are made of energy and that energy never goes away uh, the energy is here and it stays here and so we have this energy about us, and that energy has a presence to it, and, a, and you can feel that energy. And I've spoken to energy experts about that in the way that it is, but I'm truly amazed about our energy and what it is that this lasting effect that we have. Uh, it gets pretty heavy and deep, obviously, after that. Listen, heart defect, uh, this is not a, uh, I mean, th- this is a big problem. I mean, the numbers I'm seeing in your reports and numbers here, I mean, you're saying 40,000 plus are born in the United States every year with heart defects of some kind here. That's some pretty big numbers there, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. believe it's like one in um, 100. Right, right. I read that. Are right. born. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I read that. But forty thousand—that's a lot of that's a, that's a that's a lot of lives. That's a that's a big impact. And a lot of these, they they need a lot of help. I mean, there there are a lot of different types of defects. But really interestingly, I want to tell everybody that if you're listening to this on Talk Radio now, uh, congenital heart defect awareness uh, is this week, uh, February seventh through the fourteenth. Uh, February 7th through the 14th, Congenital Heart Defect Awareness Week. So this is every year, obviously, they have this. Is it always the 7th or the 14th, or does that change, Kathy? No, it's always the 7th through the 14th. Okay, so remember that, folks. That's the time, and that's the time that people should, they can donate, they can give, become more aware of what's going on. Uh, and again, if you're hearing this on podcast, uh, know that that's the dates, the 7th or the 14th every year. And I want to remind everybody at this point, as as we are speaking here to Kathy and Roger Flynn, that uh, uh, the brink of greatness, friends, you'll hear this every Saturday and Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can hear it anywhere in the world. You can hear it on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Uh, you can hear it on iHeart Radio. Uh, you can get our apps on Android or Apple and just hear it right on your phone, which a lot of people now, that's how they get their radio now, is on the phone. How about like 70, 75% of the people listen to these programs on their smartphones now? Smartphones are doing everything now, so... Uh, uh, you can about do everything with smartphones. Um, Podcast Mondays, you can catch it on podcast. Brinkofgreatness.com is a place where you'll get all kinds of unique stories and uh, uh, and, and just ter- terrific momentum and inspiration is what I find from all of these stories are incredible. And uh, you'll find it there. And, of course, at our mothership at americaoutloud.com. Friends, stay right there. I want to talk more about this Awareness Week. And we will speak more about uh, some of the big problems with kids and what's going on with with these uh, congenital heart defects out there uh, with our guests today, Kathy and Roger Flynn. Be back in just a moment. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. 
award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Friends, we're back on the brink of greatness. It's Malcolm Out Loud here with Kevin Williams. And uh, uh, please, again, you've been listening to the uh, really, I think, a phenomenal story. Kathy and Roger Flynn. Uh, and uh, their daughter Ansley uh, Flynn and the story of what she had went through with the three surgeries and as you discovered with the story now all of this came what came from this is is a lot a lot of hope a lot of faith and Camp Braveheart uh, is is really now supported by the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta Um, and again we are celebrating also congenital heart defect awareness week Uh, We'll put the links and all of the click-throughs in the uh, post when this goes to podcast on Monday, friends. You'll catch it on thebrinkofgreatness.com and America Out Loud, uh, talk radio and uh, .com there. Uh, Kathy Roger, uh, so Kathy, I was going to ask you earlier with the camp, uh, what are the requirements to get in? And then you just mentioned uh, through break as we were coming out there that your son, uh, it just went recently, and I, I, let's talk about that. Tell us about that. Okay, yes. Um, both of our sons are very active with Camp Braveheart. Our oldest son, he has been a camp counselor now for the last six years. He has the older boys, um, the teenage boys. And then our younger son, um, when he turned 18, was able to be part of the activities team, and his la- his, la- his first year was last year. And um, he loved it. Um, in fact, he's here. Um, he can tell you a few a few words yeah, about. That's the first time you went was last year. So you, I mean, you've never been there before then. Yeah, our um, I always grew grew up like around camp and would go down like with my dad like to the dance and everything. Is like when I was little. And um, oh, all right. So you've been around here. Yeah, yeah. And then this year was my first year actually staying the whole week and really like living the camp life that like everyone talks about all right well stop now now you got it now you got to stop there and tell us all what that week was like when you say that everybody talks about tell it no it's great now it's perfect because now you're at this camp for the first time tell us what it's like what is it about what's let's look through your eyes a minute what's the experience going into it i was i was kind of nervous just because i've never been like work like i've never worked at a camp like that before or like volunteered and um it was just like it was undescribable honestly like just seeing how these kids would take such a bad situation that they were in and turn all the positives around like for one week and just kind of let loose and have fun with all their like camp friends and like how everybody was uh alike and uh one of the coolest things i saw was because uh, there's like a pool that's um that's built there by Camp Twin Lights. And, um, like, the coolest thing I saw was kids, like, would compare scars, like, that they would have from wow. Uh, wow. their surgeries. Yeah. And, like, like oh, that's awesome. Look at, look at my scars. But, like, no, like normally, like, if they were at, some, like, a public pool or, like, with their other friends, like, back at home, they'd be nervous to, like, take off their shirts or something like that. But here they were just, like, 
they didn't care. They were part of the club. There. They were part of the club. Yeah, exactly. they were part. Yeah, and, and I can imagine uh, Jack sitting there saying like, uh, "Well, my scar's bigger than yours." Ha ha! Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, or or maybe it's shaped a certain way or looks like something. Uh-huh. Why why are they why are kids like that so optimistic, Jack? I just think that they they have so much like like hardships thrown at them at a young age, mm. or just like that's all they've ever known is like in and out of hospitals and stuff like that. And like being a normal kid, it really like you take that for granted. And um, they they like they come to camp and they all feel normal because they're around people that are kids and other people that are exactly like them. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they don't think they don't see it as, Oh, I'm standing out here. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm, but they see it as like, I'm with my, my heart family, my heart family. And don't, and don't you think some of them have some of like the best personalities? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, I've met, I've met some, mm-hmm. like some friends there that I met like this past year when I went and, uh, they're just the greatest people because I feel like they just look at life a different way. They look at it like to not not get so caught up in like little things. Oh and, God, that's big, Jack. What you say right there is so yeah. big. Listen, that's important. Let's let's stop a moment and focus on that one second here, because what's happening, Jack, is we all can take a lesson from what you just said. We worry. Uh, there are many of us worry about worrying, and the one thing I've even tried to train myself and teach myself, and honestly, Jack, is that, you know, I always say life is a gift. But the point is that we need not to worry so much. And like you say, every moment is something or some stress factor or something. And whereas these people really have a leap of faith, these kids that have gone through all of this, they realize what's most important and valuable in life is life itself. And the rest of this is mm-hmm. just distractions, right? Exactly. They see it as it's all about what you make it. You got to take something from that for sure. Now, Jack, will you you you're going to go again to this? You you really were moved by the camp. Oh, hundred percent. I'll go until I physically can't. Wow! Uh, wow! That's an impact. And, um, that's an impact. That's yeah. a, that's an impact. Kathy, Roger, were you surprised at that? No, uh, no. I mean no. he he's been around it, uh, like mm-hmm. he said. And he would always help. And as he got older, he he would help load luggage on the buses the last day when I take him down there. Mm-hmm. His older brother, he went to camp with Ansley because he had to go with us. And he used to take a magic marker and draw a scar on his chest so he could fit in with the other kids. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, I'm reading here, Roger. The kids climb telephone poles. They canoe, laughing with their friends. And this is what you're saying, you know. And uh, and then, of course, Kathy, I see uh, right below it says Kathy, and I think of you immediately because it says, no child turned away due to cost. That would be Kathy right there, right? Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> this is the one place you can see a cardiologist cry because when he sees his patients in that setting versus in the office, he's, his, his mind's blown as well. Um, you know, hmm. these kids normally, they're, they're, they're shunned, they're looked down upon, they're made fun of because they're different. Mm-hmm. But that one week... Right. They, they're equal, and right. it's right. they're the they're the cream of the crop, and the cream of the have crop. The, cream of the they crop. have the the best time, and they get to do things. That, mm-hmm. Camp Twin Lakes is amazing with the support they have and the facilities they've built. Everything's handicapped accessible. They've got a great mm-hmm. staff, and, and there are things they couldn't do going to a normal camp because they wouldn't have the accommodations, you know, for kids. Right, right. Uh, with some of their conditions, but they. Doesn't matter who they are. You're gonna you're gonna go down the zip line, or you're gonna climb to the top of the tower and rappel down, 
Are you going to do the ropes course? Are you going to paddle boat? And you're going to fish and you're going to ride a horse. So yeah, yeah, you just have a great time. And, and this is and this is a lot of activities that otherwise they would never ever even have tried, let alone do. So um, the confidence building, the self self esteem building mm-hmm. that Camp Braveheart you know gives them, it lasts. This one week will last the entire year. That's it. And That's then a the bond that happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the bonds that they have with each mm-hmm. other. In fact, they've nicknamed it their Camp Braveheart family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, wow. and I really believe that it was because a family started Camp Braveheart. Yeah. That, that theme and that spirit of Ansley just continues. It's a thread that just continues through Camp Braveheart to, today. Right, right. One, wanna, of, one of the rights. Sorry, one of the rites of passage with these kids are, um, as they get older, and they can. A lot of the counselors have done it too. The the logo of the camp is an owl. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, Owl's head cool. setting setting on a heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have all started getting tattoos of that. Oh, cool, cool, very cool. Once wow. they <laughs> once they become of age, wow. so there's tattoos all over between counselors and the actual heart kids are getting wow. tattoos. That's awesome. Um, That's awesome. We should go get them ourselves. Listen, I want to ask you in the last yeah, couple. I, yeah, the last couple of moments we have. I want to go around with us here a minute. Here, I want to talk about life lessons, if you will. Here, Kathy, uh, let's speak to. We. This is, uh, I think, an incredible story. And Camp Braveheart and and your uh, special family. I mean, I can feel the vibes and the the energy of of this conversation is, is truly amazing. But let's talk about life lessons a moment here. What should people take from all this what are the life lessons that they should take from all of this story well i think that ansley taught me a lot i think ansley uh taught me how to be a better person how to be a better mom um and more importantly just to that every day is a gift and that all of us are only promised today we're not promised tomorrow so rather than get all caught up into tomorrow she taught me how to just live today and grab everything that i have and at the end of the day, be at peace with it. Amen. Amen for that. Roger, what's your life lessons? All right, it's along the same lines. I mean, I've, I've spoke to a lot of youth groups in the past, and one thing I tell them is never take anything for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're, when you're a teenager, um, a young teenager, you think you're bulletproof, and it can change on a dime. I mean, you can, you can be here one day and not here the next. So, you know, don't don't make fun of people. Um, you know, a big thing after Ansley passed away was uh, a mother came up to us and told us that Ansley was the one little girl at school that always made her little girl feel welcome, mm-hmm. that nobody else would talk to her, but Ansley would come and sit down and talk to her. You you sent me a letter about how this has impacted at least one person. I'm not sure if you want to read that letter because it I think it gets to the heart of what Camp Braveheart does for a heart child. Oh, the letter that's from the camper that was sent yes, to us? Yes, Um, Yeah, let's see. Yeah, I've got it right here. Um, I hope I can get through this. Um, it's, she, she actually, she was a camper that started when she was seven. She wrote this letter uh, the last year of camp when she was 17, and um, she, had it, she read it herself at the talent show. Uh, in front of everybody at Camp Braveheart, all 250 kids and 150 volunteers. So it says, Dear Camp Braveheart, thank you for giving me lifelong friends that not only understand me, but always having someone to depend on. 
I have learned the benefits from being right and wrong and that it is not your physique that remains strong. Instead, it's your personality and heart that prolongs. The moment I walked into those doors, I wasn't aware on how much I would grow and find myself. Before camp, I was highly insecure and defeated, but your staff, counselor, counselors, and friends turned out to be my rescue and my help. With the help of you and my mom, I have valued I have value and learned that you shouldn't have validation in boys or in anything else. Instead, the only acceptance and opinion you should treasure is God and yourself. They say high school is where you find your identity, but because of you, I was shown that I actually have an identity and and valuable existence here. We have been through amazing times and and through some hard times as well. But you, your love has always stayed consistent. With that said, dear Camp Braveheart, thank you from a previous insecure little girl who is now brave enough to represent my heart. What a beautiful letter. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, all right. So listen, I want to give the website uh, from what I see here. Uh, and it's connected to CHOA, right? CHOA.org uh, slash right. camps slash camp dash braveheart now this will be on the post friends at the brink of greatness in america out loud so you can just click through there uh but uh the website uh is choa.org forward slash camps forward slash camp dash braveheart um uh, truly truly a blessing and the work that you've done and to to find this place the camp braveheart is truly amazing i watched the videos earlier uh on youtube and all that you have uh, uh, truly remarkable um, and as jack defined just a bit ago it changed the way his outlook and his life and there are lessons to take from all of this uh, today's broadcast friends we dedicate this to ainsley flynn uh, young Ainsley, who passed away at 10 years old and uh, and really was the impetus for all of this, the entire story, and uh, certainly Camp Braveheart. Um, it's all about taking something in your life and doing something with it. We, As we've said here today, friends, we're only guaranteed the moment we, we are here today. We have no idea what is around or in store for us uh, the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year. So it's a lesson for all of us to treat life as it should be treated as a gift. Uh, It's important for all of us to do that. That's what the Brink of Greatness is. And it's about people like Kathy and Roger Flynn, who put it all on the line, who come through this sort of life-changing experience and adversity in their life, and they turn and change it into something positive, something good, and something that's going to impact life for thousands of other people, young young people who need this, and that's the most important thing. Friends, thank you again for joining us here on The Brink of Greatness today. Uh, again, tremendous stories back at thebrinkofgreatness.com, and again, America Out Loud. Friends, The Brink of Greatness can only happen when you're willing to push beyond the boundaries and limitations that are holding you back. What's holding you back? Remember to take the next leap forward.